Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about how our career warrior women can overcome their doubt, build confidence, and return back to work. Today, I brought on Dr. Jasmine Escalera, the 2021 top job search expert to follow on LinkedIn. Dr. Jasmine Escalera is a confidence coach and career strategist for women of color. She has proven coaching programs that help her clients beat self-doubt so that they can own their worth and boss up in their careers or business. Jasmine earned her BS in biochemistry from Pace University and her PhD in pharmacology from Yale. She is an experienced executive level program and operations director with a passion for designing research programs that increase the quality of life and healthcare options for underserved populations. So Dr. Escalera is going to be amazing. I'm so psyched up for this episode based on our past conversation. I know it's going to be awesome. So this episode is really going to help you out if you're struggling to regain your sense of self-confidence in your career. I believe that this is the episode for you. Let's launch right into it with our 215th episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Hey, Jasmine, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It is awesome to have you on the show. And I really, one of my favorite things I think we talked about was your own history and your story about mm-hmm. your career and how you ended up in the career coaching space. I think a lot of people can relate to it. So I'll have you open up with your story. Talk about why and how you got into the career space. Yeah. So um, the why and how really sort of goes way back. So I grew up in the the projects of Brooklyn, New York, and very early on, I fell absolutely in love with the idea of learning. I fell in love with chemistry in high school. And I was in a community of black and brown individuals that always supported all of my successes and wins. And, you know, going into the science field and into the STEM field, it was almost very jarring for me and very life-changing because I felt like I was a little bit sheltered, you know, in the community that I grew up in, in terms of growing, growing up around black and brown individuals who were also going through the same struggles as me and my family. But when I stepped into the STEM field and into the science space, I really recognized that I was actually very different. I wasn't, you know, the norm when it comes to that environment. And that was really very jarring for me because I wasn't necessarily sure how to bring that sort of confident, authentic girl from the projects, that Latina from the projects into this very white male dominated space. Mm -hmm. So, you know, throughout the course of my academic career, throughout the course of my career in general, I was battling with a lot of identity issues, with a lot of authenticity issues. And I do have to say that during my you know, academic career and my professional career, I really did try to conform to what the norm was within that environment, which very much sure. meant stripping away much of my identity and who I was and almost kind of trying to make myself very small. You know, I am a brown woman and showing up into that environment really felt like every aspect of myself needed to be small and not be seen in order to really be Mm. able to create the success that I wanted. But I started to really recognize that the more that I tried to conform, the more that I tried to be in that environment as someone different, the more internal strife and struggle I actually cause within myself, you know, showing up as not Mm -hmm. who you are just automatically makes you think that you're not a good person or that you're less than. 
So I really started to reclaim my identity, really connect back to the, you know, the person that I was, the woman that I was, the community that really fostered me throughout my journey. But when I did that, I really started to recognize that like the environments that I was in weren't really allowing me for me to be my best self and weren't really allowing for me to come in as my authentic self. So I had to kind of fight internal battles, but also sort of external battles in terms of how the workplace is really designed. And through, you know, through the course of that journey, I really decided that everything that I learned about, you know, really coming back to who you are, connecting to your identity, allowing for yourself to be your true authentic self in the workplace was something that I could teach other women of color who were going through the same struggles as me. So that's really how I founded my business was My love of science, my love of research took me on this very difficult journey in terms of self-identity, confidence, doubt, imposter syndrome, and overcoming that brought me to this place of, I want to give back to other women who are in this same position. That's amazing. And what a great primer for this episode, because I think you painted a really good picture of what life can be like if Mm -hmm. we are living our true authentic selves. And our stories are very different, but I can say that myself, I've related to trying to blend in with a certain Mm -hmm. surrounding and shrinking my own sense of self and not letting it come through. And the stuff that that does to your confidence and your voice being, I would say, lost is it's not a good thing for your career. So I think it's amazing that you were able to overcome that in such a big, awesome way. And I think that story is really inspiring for job seekers and people in their career. You did talk about the concept of imposter syndrome, which I think is a big one for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. What really is imposter syndrome and Mm -hmm. how, I guess, how do you overcome it? Yeah, yeah. So it's so interesting because I've been dealing with imposter syndrome and I don't want to like give my age up, but I've been dealing with imposter syndrome since I started college, since the first moment I stepped on that college campus, realizing that I was incredibly different from everyone else. You know, I was educated through the New York City Department of Education and there were people there who had gone to private school. So it was, you know, it was very different for me growing up. I had imposter syndrome from the moment I stepped right onto that campus. And, you know, imposter Imposter syndrome is this feeling of, I am a fraud. I don't deserve to be here. It's this lack of recognition of your successes and owning your successes and really claiming your successes and saying that those are what actually got you the accolades, got you the respect, got you the achievements. You're just incapable of doing that. You always think someone's going to figure you out, that you're not as smart enough, that you're not as good enough, that you're not Mm -hmm. as capable. And, you know, so for throughout my Uh, the course of going through college, going through graduate school, going through my career, I was wrecked with imposter syndrome and with self-doubt. I just didn't know it was imposter syndrome. Like that term wasn't as popular as it is now. And and meaning that we didn't know that that's really what we were dealing with. And so the first component of overcoming it was being able to say, holy crap, like that's what it is, you know, and it was really being able to name it name the feelings that I was feeling. And then it was really like, once I was able to acknowledge it, it was understanding what are the internal things that are going on that are causing it, but then also what are the external things too? So the triggers for imposter syndrome can be environments, situations, people. And as you can imagine being in the STEM field, You are around individuals who are highly intelligent, extremely intelligent, extremely accomplished, but it's also a very competitive environment. So that environment just naturally breeds those feelings of imposter syndrome. So 
you know, un- really overcoming your imposter syndrome is also acknowledging like what's going on internally. What are my thoughts? Yeah. What are my feelings? And how is that leading to inaction? But then also what is going on in my external environment that's additionally adding to that? That acknowledgement helps you to sort of start figuring out the next steps. That makes so much sense. And it's like, if you don't know you're going through imposter syndrome, it can be this very confusing. It's just gonna, you may just feel like not very confident, but you know, I think that's really insightful that some sort of environment can actually trigger imposter syndrome mm-hmm. over others. And we actually had someone in our marketing team that put in the show notes I'm reading here. She asked like, are there certain people who are more susceptible to imposter syndrome? And I don't know whether that's because of a past or um, anything in particular, but have you noticed that? I wouldn't say necessarily that. It's actually quite interesting because the literature, when you read it, it, you know, it varies, but anywhere between 70 and 85% of the population have dealt with imposter syndrome or are currently dealing with imposter syndrome. So it really goes across the gamut of who you are. Like it doesn't necessarily matter, but there are family dynamics. There are things in your background, I guess, make you more sort of prone to it in terms of being in different environments. So women, women of color, people of color, you know, we are individuals in which our backgrounds our experiences, our heritage, our identity do cause us to grow up differently. We do just have different kinds of experiences. And so the way that imposter syndrome manifests for us looks different. If you're a person of color and you're a first gen, like that just, you know, heightens the experience because you are the type of individual who might look different than everybody else around you. And plus, you've never had anyone to look up to to model the experiences that you're going through. So I think, you know, everyone is susceptible to it. But I do think that certain individuals in the way that you grow up and just being different in certain environments are just going to make it manifest more. Right. I love that. Thank you for the insight. And In a second, we're going to turn to how women can return back to the workforce. I know this is a Mm -hmm. huge topic, but let's stick just with the internal for a second here. What are common limiting beliefs among women that are counterproductive to career success? Yeah, that's such a great question. And, you know, for limiting beliefs for women and, and in particular for women of color, you know, there is a lot of internal doubt in terms of how you present yourself. Like, for example, as a Latina, if I start speaking up, I'm immediately classified as, you know, feisty. For a Black woman, if they speak up, they're immediately classified as aggressive. So, you know, this whole concept of limiting beliefs are things that people have actually kind of put onto us. And it just makes us extremely doubtful in terms of how we present ourselves. So some limiting beliefs are like, I can't speak up because if I speak up, then someone's going to classify me as, you know, something that is very sort of in the air of microaggressions. I mean, these are things, microaggressions and bias. So, you know, there's a lot of these beliefs of I can't be my confident self. I can't show up authentically. I can't be the person that I want to be. I can't speak up. I can't own my worth. I can't take up the space that I want to because individuals are going to classify me as a certain kind of person. So I think that, you know, culturally and identity wise, a lot of those limiting beliefs sort of start to eat at you. And then you just don't show up as you, you just don't show up as your confident self. That makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of us, and maybe it's because I haven't, you know, fortunately been thrown those limiting beliefs on me, you know, over time. But I think a lot of us think about, you know, how can we 
I would say is like, we don't think about the impact and like how it can really destroy your confidence. It almost becomes like this reflection upon yourself, you know, in a way. And I think it's terrible. This is like probably one of the toughest questions to answer, but how do you deal with those limiting beliefs? I want to say it like it starts with yourself in a way, but how do you deal with that? Yeah, it really does. You know, and, and I try to tell my clients all the time and I try to tell other women of color all the time. It's I want to tell you that the environments are going to support you and that everyone is going to be supportive of you. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. we're not there yet. Right. So for me, the biggest thing that I really try to tell anyone is really work on you, work on how you see yourself, work on understanding the woman that you want to become and how you can step into being that woman every single day. So I think it really does come from within. We have to acknowledge that the environments haven't changed yet. Some of them really have, some of them really haven't. And we have to really understand all of those internal thoughts and overcome those limiting aspects of ourselves every day. Because what I tell people is so long as you can go to sleep every single day saying I was my best self, then you've won. I love that. That is one of the visions of this podcast is helping people to become the best version of themselves and help them to live their best lives. So that mm -hmm. is beautiful. So now we turn to finding the right job and the right match. And according to a CNBC analysis, the women's labor force participation rate hit a 33-year low in this past mm -hmm. January. So I think there are a lot of women who are wanting to return back to work, whether it be now or in the future, but it's definitely a tough scenario. So I'd ask what you would tell these women impacted by COVID who are looking to get back to the workforce. Yeah, I think one of the really big things to do is to understand what you're really great at and how those things can actually be utilized within different fields or different environments. So what are your transferable skills? What are your strengths? And how can you utilize that in different fields or areas? Because the field or area you were in might have been significantly impacted by COVID, and it may be hard for you to sort of slip it right back into where you were before. Mm -hmm. But if you understand how how what you do transfers to different areas, there's a potential there for you to make a pivot into a new space and actually land something a bit quicker. So I think that's one thing to really think about. And then the other thing to think about is a major reason why women were particularly impacted by COVID is because we have a lot of other things going on outside of our careers, like caretaking, caring for family, caring for children. And we're typically the ones that really you know, that's the burden on us. So it's very also important for you to understand what's going on within your family dynamic. And what is it that you need when you go back to work in terms of flexibility, in terms of boundaries? It's very important that you set that right in the beginning with your new employer because you're going to need certain things to be able to be successful. Right. So I would say if you want to step back into the workforce, you know, think about how you could actually use your skill set in different areas. And then also be clear with yourself around what you need in terms of flexibility, in terms of boundaries, and make sure that you build that into the next step. Absolutely. And I'm thinking about, you know, past meetups we've had with job seekers, a huge question they have on their mind is like, okay, so I'm going through the interview process, or I'm vetting these different companies out there. And I'm having a really hard time figuring out what would be a good culture match or if I would be able to mm -hmm. even fit in or, or thrive in these companies. But 
the confusion and the issue I see is that every single company out there in the job posting says that, okay, like we are, you know, the best company to work for with, Mm -hmm. you know, satisfied employees and diversity is important to us. And, you know, every single company says the same thing, but how do we really know that we're going to find a good culture match for us, Mm -hmm. whether we're a woman or a person of color? It's important to start from the very beginning identifying what it is you feel you need to thrive and what it is you feel you need from the environment. And that's really even before you start applying. So Mm -hmm. I like to go into the job search with that idea and mindset of I'm applying to companies that connect to my values and I'm applying to positions and jobs that I feel like are the best next step for me. And so it starts from the beginning. If diversity and inclusion is important to you, what does that mean for you? Does that mean that you want to see black and brown people in leadership positions? Well, then Mm -hmm. that's a question that you need to be asking at the interview, or you need to be checking up on their website to see who's in those leadership roles. Does that mean that you want them to be giving money to diversity and inclusion so that there's programming and training around it? Well, then that's a question that you really want to be asking on the interview process. So I think it starts from the beginning in terms of identifying what is it that I need to be successful to thrive? to really make it within this environment and this workspace. And then, you know, asking those tough questions sometimes about, you know, what does it look like? What are your company's values? Or even just before you step into the interview, doing the research that you need to do to make sure that this really is going to connect to you. Absolutely. I never thought about that way. Just you don't ask the general question. It's like you have specifics in mind for what diversity means to you or what a company that is, you know, representing good diversity means to you and asking those questions during an interview. Mm -hmm. So that's great. We also had someone on our team ask, and I thought this was an interesting question because I've never thought about, I guess, leadership and how it can truly, I guess, impact it. But are there there certain leadership styles that yield more towards diversity than others? Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, individuals, so leaders who are willing to be empathetic, like really connect, so lead with empathy, but also leaders who are willing to listen and have hard conversations sometimes and even ask hard questions. So I think in terms of leadership, like leaders have to be the ones who are asking the questions and not waiting for individuals to come to them to have the conversation. So you have to be open to learn. You have to be open to talk. You have to be open to feeling uncomfortable at certain times and really having those hard conversations. And you have to lead with empathy. You know, if someone comes to you and says that they've experienced something and they feel a certain way about it, even if you can't connect to that experience, you have to be the kind of person to say, I can understand what you're talking about. I can understand how this would make you feel. I acknowledge you. And now let's take action and make it better. So you just have to be that person who's willing to have those conversations, who's willing to have, create the safe spaces, listen and then actually do something. That's amazing. And, you know, a good lesson for any leader listening to this podcast right now. But I think those are just really strong traits to have in general. And I think that's amazing. Jasmine, one of the things that we talked about in our last conversation that I liked was portraying yourself with confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a thing that a lot of people, you know, not just women, but a lot of people do struggle with. Why is portraying yourself confidently important in the workplace? And how can we move towards being that? Yeah. So, I mean, confidence is so important in the workplace because it 
it makes you feel good about you, you know, and when you feel good about you, then you're going to go for the new projects. You're going to put yourself out there. You're not going to be afraid to ask for the money that you deserve. You're not going to be afraid to claim your worth. You're not going to be afraid to show up and allow people to see you and to see everything that you're capable of. So for me, confidence is really representing the best self of you and it makes you feel good about you. And that's really what it is all about. Everything is all about you feeling good about who you are. And so for me, building confidence really is about, again, going back to what we discussed before, the internal piece. So what is it that's holding you back in terms of your mindset, your thoughts, your beliefs, and overcoming those? It's also about connecting to what makes you unique and great when it comes to strengths, to your accomplishments. What is it that you can contribute and doing more of that? Because we just naturally feel good when we connect to the great things that we can do and when we're providing value. And then it's also about really just going out there and doing it. It's about the experience. So much of confidence building is about doing things even when you're scared, doing things even when you have the fear, but knowing that you'll figure it out, you will get it done, or you'll just learn something. So it's about acting even if you have fear and even if you have doubt, because once you get to the other side, you start to realize it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. So really confidence building is also about just doing it even when you're scared. I love that. Hopefully that inspires some people to take that first leap to have that uncomfortable conversation with the boss or to attend that event and meet people you otherwise wouldn't. And I think that is so inspiring because a lot of us are waiting for that feeling to Mm -hmm. feel a certain way before we could start to, you know, illustrate confident behaviors. You know, the important thing is to do, like you said, it's like, get past that fear or work with that fear in a way and still do it because the confidence mm-hmm. can follow after that. The confident 100%. feeling, I should say. Yeah, I love that. And and that's something that can seem really scary. Like, oh, I just yeah. have to go out there and do it. And it's like, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that is awesome. Well, you have been a fantastic guest so far, just really enjoying the insights. Um, I want to I say like, I want to make sure we cover everything we possibly can, but anything that you think we can't miss when it comes to either supporting women or supporting people of color? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of, you know, supporting women, supporting people of color, it, it really truly is about creating safe spaces. Whenever I have worked in environments or been in environments where I felt safe, I naturally just felt like I could actually be myself and I could actually speak up and speak out and say something. So it's about creating safe spaces. And for you as an individual, as a woman of color, trying to find those safe spaces, it's about understanding, again, what is it that I need to be able to be my best self and really being clear around that. And I know that this is a very difficult time right now, and we may all seem Like we have to take the job, we have to take the next opportunity, but it is so important that you end up in the right opportunity. And so understanding what your values are, understanding what it is that you need to be successful and thrive is so incredibly important before you start the job search, because we can sometimes go into a job search with that mentality of, I need, I need to find, I need to get, I need something. But we really want to lean into a job search knowing exactly what is the best next step for us, because that's how the opportunity finds you. 
I love that so much. That is such such a good mentality to have. And I think that's going to support a lot of job seekers right now. Somebody needed to hear that message. So thank you for that. So Jasmine, I like to ask this question for a lot of our guests here and probably one of my favorites. But if you could tattoo one encouraging message for every career warrior applying for a job right now, what message would that be? Giving myself some grace. I think it's been a hell of a <laughs> a year-ish, and we've all been really going through a lot. Many people have lost opportunities. Many people are trying to find opportunities. Give yourself some grace. Like, give yourself some grace. Everything will come if you can just allow yourself to take care of you. So I think it's really important to acknowledge when you need to do that and when you need to just give yourself a little love and give yourself a little grace. I love that. Well, Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us here on the Career Warrior Podcast. Your insights were unique and amazing. And I'm just so happy because we haven't covered a topic like this in a long time or possibly ever, you know, dove in so deep into something like this. And so the insights that you brought to the table were not only ones that can encourage people, but you know, one that can really help people to, I'd say move to the next step in their career, because we are in a very tough time right now with all the change that's happening right now here, even in 2021. So just can't thank you enough for coming on here. I know we changed some lives. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Awesome. Well, you take care and have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Awesome. So this concludes episode 215 of the Career Warrior podcast. Really enjoyed this one. I will make sure to link everything about Dr. Jasmine, her Instagram, make sure to follow it. It is absolutely incredible. I will also make sure to include other helpful resources that you would be able to find. Just make sure you're done jogging or driving and we'll have that ready for you. All right. This concludes episode 215. Go out, be warriors. Career Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events, and learn more about her awesome resume services. Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify, but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning.